Thank you for listening to The Brook Podcast. We are real people finding real hope in the real world. Learn more at thebrook.net. So this morning I want to talk about finding direction in your life. As a consultant and a coach, when I have clients, they talk to me. Usually they bring me in when there's a decision to be made and either training to develop. We want this person to grow or develop. There's some type of decision. How do we find direction? How are we on the right path? Now, some of you wore hero outfits, T-shirts, and things like that. I see uh, some Captain American. I've seen several Superman I'm not sure what that is. There's some guy running around like he's Element Man or something. I'm sure not what, what that is, but it's kind of odd. I tried that. Is it iron? I, it's, just, it's an element. I don't know what it means. But I tried that, and I tried a couple of shirts on, and I looked more like a cartoon character as opposed to a superhero, so I decided just to wear uh, the regular clothes. I told my wife, I said, I'm more of a before picture than an after, but uh, I, I'm not a hero. But in the hero's journey... There are 12 stages of a hero's journey, if you are familiar with that ter- terminology or story that they go through. Uh, some of it's known, some of it's unknown. And in, in the process of this, they have to make decisions, and the choices that they make will help them lead them down the right path toward that journey. Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, Tony Stark in Iron Man, uh, Steve Rogers in Captain America, and the most recent, Doctor Strange in Infinity Wars. They made choices based on hoping to see the best outcome so they could get the, win the results and save the, save the day as a superhero. I'm not a superhero. Most of us, from the definition of a superhero, don't have superpowers or super strengths. But all of us have crossroads, decision points that we have to make in our lives that have an impact. Our choices have an impact on our future. And that's what I want to talk about today in the process of when you're at those crossroads, how do you make the right choice? How do you find the direction that you need? Last Father's Day, I was here and I talked about in December 5th of 2016, I had a brain aneurysm that burst in my uh, middle of my skull. And um, anyway, I was in the hospital for 23 days, ICU for 20. I don't remember much, only about 10 to 12 hours. Now I'm gaining more memory of that. But I remember one night, I was having vasospasms where the blood actually t- attacks the brain. I was in a lot of pain. I remember waking up and seeing my wife to the side. She never left the room, I don't think. Uh, and I cried out in my mind, Jesus, where am I? What is going on? Now, not to question God and what was going on. I literally did not know where I was. I was just, what, what, where am I? And I looked around and realized I have tubes running in my arms. I'm in the hospital. And what is? And I started to get concerned. I was in pain. I felt uncomfortable. And the verse that came to me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's the verse we're going to look at today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I remember several times as I was going through the difficulties of being in the hospital, that verse continued to come to my mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. When I got out of the hospital, I remember being home. We left with a walker and walking with a cane and and struggling about what's going to go on with my career and and with the company that I I work with, different companies where they still want me to work with them. And and at night, I'd lay down. I'd put my arm on my wife's arm, or put my hand on my wife's arm, Susan. I would pray for her and thank God for her and pray that nothing would happen to her because she was filling my pills. And um, (laughs) she would say, and I'd go to sleep 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight. Just even a few weeks ago, I had two clients that said, we're no longer going to use external facilitators or trainers or coaches. It's going to be internal. And so I lost a lot of money, walk out the door in our company. And at night as I was in Connecticut, praying and thinking, trust in the Lord with, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, the struggle is we look at that verse, we like that verse, we want to live that verse, but I'd like to unpack it a little bit, at least from what I've learned in the last couple years of really taking that verse to heart and meditating on it and ruminating around it as we go through the process. First, let's just trust the Lord with all your heart. Uh, There are many things that keep us from trusting God in the situation. Three are fear, need to control, and lack of trust. The fear seems to be the biggest one. There are 530 different types of phobias or fears that we have as human beings. 530. That's amazing. That's every day for a year and a half, you could have a different fear. That is crazy. Fear, though, when we get into the situation, our element, our mind moves to that, paralyzes us and keeps us from experiencing what God wants for us in our lives. It begins to control us. It begins to control what we think and what we see and how we see things and how we see the situation. We become stuck. We become paralyzed. It becomes a barrier or block to what God wants for your life. The second thing then, usually what happens with me, is when I'm afraid of something, then I want to control it. Many of you are like me. You could do this. You could go to a 12-step program. Hello, my name is Phil. Hello, Phil. I'm a control freak. I did some research on it. There's five things, and these aren't funny. These are real things that, that you need to control. Connect, correcting people when they are wrong. You're about to have lunch with probably your family and friends. See how that goes for you. <laughs> Always trying to win the argument or have the last word. Refuse to admit when you're wrong. Judging or criticizing others. Driving with rage. It's interesting up here, it's you. Uh, But when I'm afraid of something, it paralyzes me, and I either get get stuck, sometimes I withdraw, or I move forward. That's when I try to control it. That's what I do. And then the third thing is lack of trust. I don't know whether God can really do this thing or not. Even though I'm praying, I still don't trust him fully. And lack of trust often leads to deception. Deception. In the sense of how I see the situation, I'm not fully engaged with God. We saw that in uh, Genesis chapter 2 with Adam and Eve. They didn't trust God and what he said, and so they begin to have deception, trying to fool God. In deception, we deceive ourselves in not believing that Jesus has our best interest, that he's not in control, that he can't work in our situation, and it creates a lack of intimacy between myself and our Heavenly Father and Jesus because we don't trust him. So fear is the big one, 538 different types of phobias. When I'm afraid, it either freezes me or I begin to take control, and then I lack trust. Then it goes to the second part, and lean not on your own understanding. If I'm not going to have a wholehearted trust with God, then I'm going to lean on my own understanding. Three things on that as well. Rely on your own strength, comfort, and focus. When I've done everything. I've not trusted God. I'm afraid. I try to control. I I have that lack of trust. I rely on my own strength. Now, if you're like me, which most of you are because you're human, 
you have limited resources. There's a finite ability that you have to take care of your situation. But I still try to do that. Now, for me, I will pray and I will trust God in the spiritual things like giving and coming to church and being a part of a community group, using my spiritual gift. Spiritual things, I'll trust God fully. But God, you know, in the business stuff, because as I read the Gospels, and I remember, Jesus, I mean no offense to this, but you chose 12 people I wouldn't have chosen. You had one guy who was robbing from you. You never addressed that at any point. It seems like you didn't manage your team very effectively. <laughs> so on the spiritual items, I will trust you fully and rely upon you. But on the things that are here with business, that kind of thing, I'm going to trust in me. Now I'm going to pray and I'm going to do this and trust in you, but I'm going to have a plan B just in case. And it's interesting, in the book of Acts, Peter was in prison, and a group of disciples and other believers were praying for him in this house. And they kept praying that he would be released and miraculously be released, and Heavenly Father sent someone to release him. An angel came and released him. He rushes to where the house was, where he knew the disciples and other believers were, knocks on the door, servant girl answers the door, she looks at the people, screams, shuts the door, shuts the little people, runs back to all the other disciples and believers. Peter's been released. They said, no, you've just seen a ghost. It couldn't be him. Oftentimes that's how we rely upon our own understanding is realizing God has the ability to work in our lives more than we have the ability to believe. Oftentimes I'll pray, help my unbelief. And Father, get rid of my plan B. The second thing is, is the element of comfort. People have their lives crumbling before their own eyes, but remove themselves from a situation. Removing themselves from their situation seems a distance to reality. Deviating from their norm becomes the norm. I have friends who are part of a 12-step program. They say, Phil, with us, we know what our dysfunction is, and we are comfortable with that dysfunction. We, we, we know it. If you don't believe me, just at lunch today, you're comfortable with your dysfunction. You'll be eating with most of them today. Uh, you're, you're, we're comfortable with that, that hurt. We're comfortable with that disappointment. We're comfortable with that element of brokenness. We're comfortable with that sin. We've nurtured it for years. And to really kind of change and ask Christ to come in and change that thing, to forgive us of our sins, to heal that brokenness, to move us forward to healing, we don't know what that looks like. We know what our dysfunction looks like. We just don't know what functionality looks like. And it becomes difficult because we get comfortable in that process. Then lastly, it's the focus. We become captive by the situation. Whatever's in front of us, we become captive by that. And whatever you're captive by controls you. It's just you become fixated on it. It's, it's that one lens of what that, what's going on in my situation right now. Psalms 139 verse 16 says this, that before a day in your life was even lived that God had already written out your biography. So if you think of a movie, you go see a movie, superhero movie, 
you see the whole movie. What, but what we see in life, in our situations, we see the frame. I was editing something, a video for, uh, for a promotion thing, and you can change the frame, but you have the whole video, and we look at the frame. God looks at the whole movie. He's the director of the movie. He's the writer of the movie. He's the author of the movie. When we focus on the frame, we become fixated. It begins to control us. That's all we can do. We rely upon our own understanding, our own strength, what we can do in the situation as opposed to what God can do in that situation. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. In the King James Version and the New American Standard Version, it has, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And Although it's, it's acknowledging that, that God is in control, I, I like the word submit because it means that everything that we're dealing with, we submit to God. So we do that by this. I think one reflection. I like Psalms 139, 1 through 4 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you you, Lord, know it completely. Take some time to reflect. I used to do this about once a week several years ago. After I got out of the hospital, I did it every day. Because I realized I may not have a week, so I need to do this every day. And I asked myself three questions. First question I asked myself is, what went well today? Uh, these aren't science, you know, these are not like rocket science questions. It's what went well today. And what I look for is I review my day and ask myself, what went well and where was God actively working in my life? So I could acknowledge that and thank him for being a part of that life. Second question, where did I walk outside of God's will today? Well, I don't like that one. But I ask myself that. Sometimes I'll write it down. Sometimes I'll type it. Sometimes I'll just think about it. Where did I walk outside of God's will? What was the conversations? What was the, the mindset, the attitude, the word I spoke or the thought I thought that was outside of your will? This last week, I was flying from Phoenix to Dallas and got in probably about 1130. And then by the time I got to the hotel, it was midnight. And the young lady was checking me in. And this, this hotel, I love to stay at this hotel because I'm a platinum premier elite. <laughs> a lifetime. That's how much I've stayed at this hotel. So I know the routine. And I check in, hi, how you doing? Doing okay tonight? Yes. Well, here's my uh, ID, and here's the credit card I'd like you to put it on. She goes, okay. Well, you know it's the wrong credit card. It's You have a MasterCard on file. I said, oh, well, that's really weird because I don't even own a MasterCard. Well, can you put it on the American Express? Well, the MasterCard's on file. I said, okay. I said, you know what happened? The client booked the room for me, and so I don't know whether they're paying or I am, but could you go ahead? Well, I'll have to put it on the American Express. That's fine. That's what I would love for you to do. That would be perfect, in fact. And uh, I'm thinking, holy cow, what's going on here? And uh, so I was trying to be as nice as I could. And she said, well, okay. I said, well, can I get points with that? Because they're supposed to ask you, would you like points or would you want a gift? She didn't ask that. Uh, Sir, you're going to get points. Okay, that's fine. Well, I was taking my key, and I'm walking. I'm dragging my luggage, thinking, I'm going to call the manager that morning. I cannot believe she treated me that way. I was up all the way, changed clothes, got in bed. Da, da, da. Oh, I need to reflect. God, where have you worked in my life today? God, oh. <laughs> and, and it wasn't a verbal voice. How did you treat that young lady? I didn't say anything bad. I wasn't mean. I wasn't rude. I wasn't short. I I didn't demean her in my tone of voice. Were you kind? I didn't demean her. I didn't talk down to her. I 
I didn't say anything bad. Were you compassionate? But wasn't mean to her. I didn't talk down to her. Did you have empathy for her? Oh. And I realized that it's not what I did. It's what I didn't do. I didn't share the love of Christ. I didn't show the love of Christ. Oh, man, that was a big gap. Then third question, and I thought I was off the hook, by the way. How will I handle that differently next time? How will I handle it differently next time? You know, God, next time I would do this, 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 and this. And I wrote some stuff down. I thought, man, I've got that done. Checking out in the morning. She's still there. That was bad. I thought, oh, man. And I remember what I written and what I committed. I thought, oh, so, hey, how you doing? Do they ever let you off? And she said, no, nah, I work nights. I said, you look tired. I bet you're exhausted having to work nights like that. She says, well, I'm a single mom. And I work nights because my mom watches my, my baby girl at night. And then I can go home and spend time with her for a little bit before I sleep and, and spend a little time before I have to come back to work. I said, that must be really hard for you. She said, yeah, it really is. I said, I'm about to take an Uber. I'm going to sit in the back seat, and I want to take some time to pray for you. What could I pray for you about today? And man, her faith, what? Well, what could I pray for you about today? And she said, would you pray that I could find a place for my baby girl that someone could take care of her because I'd really got a good job where I could work during the day and spend more time with her. I just want to spend time with my baby girl. I said, I'll pray for that. May I have your name? Pulled out my phone on my notes. Thanks, Ruth. I'll pray for your baby, you and your baby girl. She says, thank you so much. Hey, you have a great day. You too, Ruth. Different. See, when, when we start trusting in God to work in our lives, it starts with reflection. God, where are you working? Gosh, where is it? I am so far off track that I'm missing your activity in my life. Second thing is confess. Psalms 51 is a great, if you want to read a great psalm about confession, Psalms 51 is it. It's where David was confessing his sin with Bathsheba where he says, against you and you alone, Father, have I sinned. Then lastly, turn your direction. The biblical word for that is repent. The whole image of repentance is you're on a journey one way and you turn around and you go the different way on your journey. That God calls us to repent. Once you've been convicted of something and convinced it's an area of gap between you and your father, what Jesus would want you to do, you confess. And then you repent. I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma in the oil patch, Velma, Oklahoma, V-E-L-M-A. Population 1,000, home of Joe Diffie, country and western singer. I went to high school with Joe. We played in a band together. But um, I remember one Sunday our, in our small little church there, the pastor got up and said, we're about to sing a song that will be the most dangerous song that you ever sing. And, and uh, I've seen the hymn, though. There's not any dangerous songs in here. And we started singing this song, all to Jesus, I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will ever love and trust him, in his presence daily live, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender I surrender all. 
for some of us, if not all of us, sometimes we don't sing it that way. We sing it that way, but in our hearts, here's what we really mean. And I won't sing again. Some to Jesus I surrender. Most to him I reluctantly give. I will sometimes love and trust him in his presence occasionally live. I surrender some. I surrender some. Some to Jesus I surrender. I surrender some. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. I surrender all. Then he makes your paths straight. The picture on the right, symbol of Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, the wide road is the road to destruction, but the narrow road, the narrow journey, if you want to follow me, is tough. Jesus said that middle slide is John 14, 6, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The decision point for some of you may be for the very first time coming into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and saying, I want to surrender all. I have hurts. I have brokenness. I have sin. I need some help. I need Jesus. For others of you, it's your believer, but you say, I've not surrendered all. I need to find the direction that God wants me to go in. By the way, he doesn't say he'll make your paths easy, that he'll make your paths smooth, and you'll make your paths without troubles. He says he will make your paths straight when we surrender all. You're at a decision point today, potentially a crossroad. What decision will you make? Thank you for listening to The Brook Podcast. We are real people finding real hope in the real world. Learn more at thebrook.net.